I posted something on Facebook. I shared one of our church comments on Facebook, and uh, a friend of mine asked me, you know, why, why does the church not just speak about the Bible and that's it? You know, and uh, I found this scripture in Titus chapter 2, verse 1 to 8, very profound. Thank you, Sam. Paul is speaking to Titus, Titus who was a young pastor of a church in Crete. And, and he's wanting to understand how to speak about relationships within the context of the church. And so Paul writes this later to him and says, Your job is to speak out on things that make for solid doctrine. Guide older men into lives of temperament, temperance, dignity, and wisdom, into healthy faith, love, and endurance. Guide other women into lives of reverence so they end up, uh, so they end up as neither gossips nor drunks but models of goodness. By looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children, be virtuous and pure, keep a good house, be good wives. We don't want anyone, this is critical, looking down on God's message because of their behavior. Also, guide the young men to live disciplined lives, but mostly show them all this by doing it yourself, incorruptible in your teaching your words and solid and your words solid and sane then anyone who's dead set against us when he finds nothing weird or misguided might eventually come around amen amen now this is this is powerful and so Titus understands the importance of speaking about relationships and amongst other reasons I want to give two quick reasons why I believe it's important for us to speak about relationships Paul is saying this to Tim, to Titus this is going to help the church to have healthy relationships amongst themselves. That the church, the relationships in the church will be so great that we would know how to relate to one another as husband and wife, as friends, as brothers and sisters, and so forth. And secondly, this will enable us to model healthy relationships to the world. That the world will look to us and come around. They'll look to us and not look down on the Word of God. They'll look to us and say, man, we want to have a marriage like that. We want to have a friendship like that. We want to, have, we want to raise children like that. That's what we want to do. And people will look to us as models for them. Amen. And so that's why we're going to be talking about relationships. So I want to introduce our panelists this morning. I'm going to start differently. I'm going to start with Gina at the back there. Gina, do you mind coming up forward? Gina is an amazing uh, wife and sister. She's an elder in the church here. She and her husband are our children's uh, pastors. So please take your face. Yes, uh, Gina. And secondly, we've got our very own Didi here. Didi is an amazing lady and she is single. And <laughs> single and beautiful, says Pastor Carol. And uh, she's here not to, uh, but she's here, yes, to glorify God not to be noticed. And thirdly, we've got uh, Dr. Tevoho. Dr. Tevoho, do you mind coming up? Dr. Tevoho is a, a senior, uh, there we go, senior radiologist at Chris, uh, 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 at Baragwanath Hospital. There we go. <laughs> As I'm trying to find out the word. There we go. And then we've got our very own Pastor Carol Gosman. And so we are going to be talking about this amazing topic called, What on Earth Do Women Really Want? Okay, and so please relax, and uh, I'm hoping that we'll be able to, to glean some things. You know, you might not be married, 
just to the way you relate to women, that you have an understanding of what they want. So I'm going to dive straight into this, Pastor Carol, with you. What is it uh, that you would love for men to know uh, that you think they don't know about women? I would love men to know that as women, we are multifaceted. We have, we have aspirations. So in other words, when we were growing up, although we longed to be married and have children, we also longed to be doctors and lawyers, to be influential in the world. We longed to make a difference. We wanted our lives to be significant. And so as we go into marriage, we long for an environment where we can partner with men to, to have great homes and wonderful children, but also that they would be the kind of people that want to influence and change the world and that they would support us and encourage us as we are the kind of people that influence us and ch- influence and change the world. Amen. Amen. Gina, you want to comment on that? I think that pretty sums it up. Yeah, we're all individuals <laughs> and we, we want to be an individual too as well as be a great mother, a great wife. Um, yeah, we support each other. I'd just like to add that we might come across as strong women in our careers, in the workplace. When we're interacting with our families or our in-laws, we come across as we're competent and we can do it all. But there are times when you're tired, times when you actually just want a shoulder to cry on. And I know with me, sometimes, you know, my husband looks at me and he goes, you know, he's surprised that, you know, I'm crying or I'm upset about something. And I'm saying, I just need you to hold me. I just need you to tell me that it's, it's going to be okay. I might have it all together out there, but in this moment, I need you. So I think to have that gentleness with us, that nurturing, that, that loving kindness at times when we really need it. Okay. Um, for the singles, um, I'll just, like what Doctor was just saying now. Look at him. Look at was saying. Um, I think with us with singles, it's like, there's a perception that we are independent, strong, um, but we're actually looking for someone to also sweep off our feet. You know, we're looking uh, for someone who um, can take care of us as well. So I think there's just a perception with singles that, oh, you're independent, you're doing well for yourself, go girl. Uh, you don't need nobody, you know, but it is actually where we're looking for men to step forward and, 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 and show themselves and sweep off us off our feet, actually. Yeah. Wow. Guys, please... I've categorized the question. So I'm I'm going to be talking about communication now. And, um, you know, you often hear uh, this this question. But but before I go to the question, I just want to say, from from Gina, from your perspective, uh, communication as a whole, what what does that look like from from a woman's perspective? Uh, Guys sometimes don't don't understand... um, that they can't multitask. But what, what, what does communication look like from a woman's point of view? Okay, so I'm not your typical lady communicator. I am not one who does communicate well every, every time. Um, the communicator in my relationship is my husband, which is quite a shock to a lot of people. So um, for me, communication is really just, hi, bye, how are you doing, what's happening? I go into communication deep, obviously, with friends and mentoring and all the rest of it. But for my husband, he's got to draw out a lot of things from me. He's got to kind of sit me down and say, Gina, what is happening in your mind? What is going on in, inside of you? 
So I'm not one of those typical ones who's like, oh, my husband doesn't communicate with me. I'm like more of, oh, my husband communicates too much. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> can, can we just have a happy medium type thing? So I'm very blessed, I must admit, in terms of that. Um, so for communication in me, for me personally, it's been a lot of hard work. I've had to work in terms of who I am as, as a woman. And um, I've always just wanted my husband to just understand that this is me. It's not that I'm not communicating with you because I don't want to. It's not that I'm not communicating with you because I don't want you to know what's going on in my life. No, it's just like, well, don't you know what's going on in my life, really? Um, <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, so for communication to me, it's, it's, it's hard work. It's, it's something that we've got to grow on and got to kind of have a middle ground within our relationship in terms of what's what and to actually just make a point of communicating, to let him know where I am at in life, to let him know what my feelings are. So that's me and that's, that's who I am. I think it's very opposite in a lot of different um, families and, and between husbands and wives where it's more the woman that wants, um, that communicates so much and is like longing for her husband to communicate. Yes, um, there's a type of communication that women need from their husbands and I call it the proactive communication. I'm sure there are times when there are issues in your marriage that you always clash on. Irrespective if mother-in-law comes up, it's an argument. If finances come up, it's an argument. And sometimes you can't get beyond. So you have the argument and the issue stays there. And sometimes men even get to the point where they say, we're not going to discuss this again. This is the last time we're discussing this. And I think men need to realize that when they say that, they're actually building a gap between you and your partner. And also it, it opens up for resentment. And the proactive communication comes in when at a later stage, outside of the argument, you meet to say, we're going to resolve this. We're going to find a way forward. When it comes to dealing with finances, can we suggest that we handle it in this way? When my mother asks for 10,000 rand, it's not that I just sign it off, but we come in, we discuss it, and we agree on it. But that proactive communication helps you learn how to deal with issues because otherwise it'll always be an argument when that topic comes up. Does the want a comment as well? I, um, I think that one of the, the reason communication is often a sticky point in marriage is that men and women are looking for different things out of communication. So in general, it's not true of everyone, Gina, you can be uh, absolved of this. But in general, women in communication are looking to be known. They're looking to know their husbands. So they're looking for deep uh, they, want, they want to know about emotions. They want to know how you felt. They don't really want to know the facts as much as they want to know um, how people felt. So when the husband comes home and she says, how was work? And he comments, oh, it was fine. He's, for him, just wanting to state the facts. He, he thinks she's asking a factual question. She's not asking a factual question. She wants to know how did it feel when you did that proposal. She doesn't want to know what marks he got or if he got the deal. She wants to know what was the expression on people's faces? How did they respond? How, how, did, you, how did you interact over lunch with people? What, did you have a fun time? Things like that. They want, they want to know those kind of things. And I think sometimes men confuse the question with a, a factual request. But for women, that's really... They, they don't actually care about many of those details. They care more about the emotional and the relational interactions behind the details. Wow. I, I want to follow up on that because um, I've got something that I wrote down here where, where you'd often hear what you're saying, that ladies would refer to that as, I just want to be heard rather than be understood. 
Uh, and whereas, you know, if you are telling me something as a person, my first instinct is, I would love to understand what you're saying. But if, if I can't understand you, explain to us as guys what the distinction is between being heard and being understood, or feeling heard and being understood. <laughs> okay, so I do think women want to be understood. I think what they mean by being understood is different from what a man means by being understood. So I think when we say we want to be heard, it's that we look at, we're looking for two things out of the communication. We're looking to be known. So we want, we want our husbands not to tell us whether we should have done it that way or we should have done it another way, not to fix it. We want, we want our husbands or our friends to know who we are. And sometimes when they jump in too quickly to try and fix it, what it speaks to us is that we're actually not good enough, that we should have thought of that, but we didn't think of that. So more than wanting an answer, we're we wanting to be known. The other thing is in our communication, we're asking the question, am I good enough? And so if our, so let me give you an example. When, when we're communicating, the kinds of things we're looking for are not, um, have you tried this, do this in future, if you change your tone, it'll work differently. Those are all great solutions, and you could certainly, husband, you could give them at another time. But when your wife is communicating openly about um, her feelings and her thoughts, that's not the time to give the solutions. That's the time to give statements like, wow, that is a difficult... <laughs> not, wow, oh my gosh, you're done for, but wow... I know, that, I know that you've got what it takes. Jesus lives inside of you. I'm confident that you will, you will find a solution. Because what, what our, our conversation is asking, it's asking the question, am I good enough? And we're looking for responses from our husband. Andrew, when I, initially in our marriage, when I went to him for problems, he did kind of layer on the solutions and it wasn't always that satisfying. But now he does this. He says, oh, Carol, you, you're great at that. You'll do it fine. God will be with you. It'll be amazing. And you know what? It just satisfies my heart. It doesn't give me an answer. It just lets me know that things will be okay. Dr. Tabes, you want to comment? Um, yes. For me, when my husband hears or listens to me, it's when he gives me his undivided attention. So without his cell phone, without the TV on, without the kids, without him looking at his watch when I've been going on for a while, it's... <laughs> It's when he's focused. He's focused. Something that we've got three kids and sometimes they're all talking and when one of them wants to get my attention, they hold my head and they put their head close to mine and they talk. And that's the similar thing that we need from men to know that he's listening, he's engaged, he's interested in what I'm saying. You know, it's not someone who's just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but he's asking questions like, how did that make you feel? And are you okay with that? And, oh, have you thought of what you're going to do? And he engages with you. And I think that's very important because when a man listens and, and hears and communicates, he's connecting with my soul. He's, he's connecting with my innermost being. I feel safe to share my dreams and my hopes with him. I want to follow up on that. I'm, I'm going to come to you, Didi, just now. But from the married ladies, often you'd hear amongst guys who talk, about the timing of such conversations. Um, in terms of, you know, when do you want to talk to me? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> All right, should I move on? <laughs> 
Maybe I can say something to the ladies in response to okay, that. Please, please. I mean, I think, I think it's more, um, as ladies, we, we're desperately looking for that kind of communication. And, and sometimes it can feel like a bottomless pit. You know, it's like uh, we, all, we just want more and more from our husbands. So two things I'd like to tell ladies is that not everything you need is going to come from your husband. So you are going to have to have relationships with other girlfriends, and you are going to have a relationship with God that answers some of your questions for you, and that not every time you have a conversation with your husband does it need to be deep, intimate, and the kind of conversation we're talking about. But I would imagine, and I would feel this is reasonable to ask all the men in the audience, is that I feel like your wife needs it at least once a day. So I would feel like, you know, if, if a woman is not getting that daily, that daily connection, then, then some of them would ask this question, why be married? Because that's so much a part of marriage for us, is that, that emotional connection. So I feel like it's, it's almost like a daily thing that must happen in a relationship. Gina, go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I also do feel that you've got to respect each other's space. So coming to your question, Mike, in terms of the right time, Sport, when sport is on television, it is not the right time. <laughs> Just take that up. It's, you know, um, you've got to value them for who they are and what their interests are as well. So you need to understand that if they are watching a soccer match, the last thing they want to do is engage at a different level. <laughs> Men want to watch soccer. And this is something I have had to learn and I've had to just kind of swallow deep. Lucky I enjoy sport, but it's, it's definitely the time as well. Um, but yes, it's very important to have a time of communication. Dr. James, you want to comment? I'm going to go to you, Didi. We're talking about security now. And um, obviously, we are living in a society where, uh, you know, almost both women and men are financially independent in some way. How, how important is financial security for the potential guy for you? Very important. <laughs> I mean, of course, you're not just waiting for someone to take you out of your own um, situation. I mean, I know with us, as, uh, for me, singles and my peers, we make sure even our financials are right, you know, so we get to even speak amongst ourselves so that even if I were to look for a potential, I'll be looking at how is his finances, how does he spend, and where does he spend it at? Um, is he someone who invests even in giving a church, how does he give a church? Does he give a church? Those kind of things are the ones that we look at. And I mean, it's, it's very, very important that um, it is someone who has, who shows security. Where I know that if we were to get married, we won't be um, kicked out of the house one day or we've got nothing. Just some way, someone who's able to even lead financially. So it's very, very, very huge that as a young person looking for a spouse, I'd be looking at that. How does he spend his money? Um, where does he spend his money, and uh, does he invest, does he save? So that's going to be very, very important aspects to look at. Wow. I, I want, Dr. Tevis, could you follow up on that question? So here is the reverse of that question, is that what does that financial security look like from a lady's point of view? Uh, obviously, I've spoken to some guys, and, and guys have a particular view, but from a lady's point of view, what does financial security mean? Does that mean buying you a Lamborghini? That, what does that look like from a lady's point of view? Um, yeah. Financial security for me, um, I'll start from Didi's point of view, is someone who has the potential to provide 
So if you meet in varsity, you probably have two cents to rub against each other, but someone who has that potential to provide. In a marriage, I'm looking for someone who is who has a vision for our family. You know, we start off no kids, you end up with three, four kids. Somebody who's thought in the future, I want to be able to provide this for my family. And these are the decisions, the investments I'm making in myself and my studies to provide that. It's someone who, if for some reason I'm not able to work, will be able to make a plan to cover what the family needs. And it's very important because if the man doesn't provide that future financial security, it causes a, quite a bit of anxiety in the woman and sometimes makes her then want to take on that position of seeing how can we provide for the family. And that is not a good place for a woman to be. So it's current financial security and a man having a vision for the finances of the family. Uh, you want to say something, Pascal? Yes, I think that for a woman, home is a very important concept. So a man that is willing to provide a home and thinks about creating a safe place for not only the wife but the children is very important. I think one of the uh, things that attracted me so much to Andrew when we first met was that even though he was at university and only getting a part-time salary for part-time work he was doing, he was already putting money away for his retirement. He was already putting money away for a house. And so what that meant for me is that, that I could trust this man, that he, was, he had the same values as I did and that he was putting his money into those values. Over the years, we, we've planted a number of churches, but at the same time, he was putting finances into and he was directing the finances into the things that both of us valued. And I think that that's very important. Wow. I want to talk about, again about protection. Um, Gina, we'll start with you. What, what does protection look like? Um, I remember, you know, we've had, my wife and I have had many discussions about, you know, protection. And this, she would say, you know, you didn't protect me there. I was like, what, really? I thought I protected you. So really very, very confusing for me until now. I'm still learning and growing in that area. But... What does protection look like within the context of the following things? Of one, family-in-law, friends, and children. Okay, so, yeah, family-in-law, that's a, a big one. I'm very fortunate. I've got a good relationship with my in-laws. Um, but, you know, when you get married, uh, you expect to start your own family unit. And it's not how your husband was treated at home and what mommy used to do. And it doesn't mean that what mommy used to do for him is what I'm going to be doing for my kids. And I'm not, I do not want to be judged by his family in terms of how I bring up my children and how I actually manage my own home. And I expect from my husband to actually be that buffer, to be able to stand up and say, this is our family unit. Um, mom, dad, this is how we do things in our household if they have a question or if they come in and want to try and interfere, I expect him to be the buffer and to say, you know, step away. This is how we do life. This is my wife. And always be obviously sticking up for us and protecting our family unit as a whole. That we, yes, we're still a big family and we still honor our, mo our mothers and fathers and our in-laws, um, but it is that we are a separate family unit. So from that perspective, that is what I say protection of. Um, in terms of me, myself, and I, um, what I expect from a protection um, from my husband is that he'll just keep me on the straight and narrow, just in terms of where I'm walking, maybe in the workplace, meeting new people, friendships that I might engage into. If he sees something that is not quite right or he feels that 
we're overstepping the mark, or I'm overstepping the mark in terms of maybe sharing with them, in terms of, um, you know, he's a very good judge of character. So I just value that protection just in terms of a relationship um, to keep the household on the straight and narrow, to make sure that family is first and that you don't like, divulge and like, go off the path from a family perspective. Um, that's definitely from a protection perspective um, what, I, what I find is the greatest. Because also if you are together and you are able to communicate that and to actually stay on the straight and narrow, um, that, that's a happy home. Dr. Tibbs, you want to comment? Um, yes, with, in our families, often um, you assist extended family. And I'm married to the firstborn of six kids. And for a long time before we were married, he helped supplement the finances of his home. And when we got married, that changed somewhat. And for me, what protection was is that he stood in the gap between me and my family, him and me and his family, where before people would ask for things and they'd get them. And now it's he's not able to assist as much as he could. And for him to say, this is our decision, because the natural thing when things change, it's the wife. She's the one that now is saying he shouldn't. And for, for me, it's him standing there and saying, if a request is made, I'll discuss it with my wife and coming back and saying it's this is our decision, this is our place, and not allowing the family to say anything negative about me. So that's him protecting me with the family. Just to touch on protection with the kids, I know I'm bad cop at home and he's good cop. So I'm often laying down the law and sometimes it's just crazy in the house and kids are screaming, fighting, and I'm trying to have order, and he's sitting happily. <laughs> and it's crazy, and I'm dealing with things, and then when I'm just about to have my breakdown, he says a few words, everything is in order, kids are in line. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for him to protect me before, before I'm all finished and tired, and it's too much. So to, to stand in the gap and correct the kids, you know, if they speak to me in a certain way, that's not right to stand up and say, you don't speak to your mother like that or listen to your mother now. You know, sometimes they do listen, sometimes they don't. So to stand in that gap for me, I, I really appreciate that. Let's go on a comment as well. Um, I think just some practical things. It's like when, when your husband locks up the house at night, you know, when your husband, something Andrew does for me that I just love is that he always makes sure there's petrol in the car no matter what. And you know, that makes me feel so safe. <laughs> he always makes sure that there's petrol in the car. You know, he, um, uh, some other, you know, Andrew is a little bit of a, uh, an amateur chemist. He studied chemistry at university, so he loves, the, and pharmacy and kind of things really intrigues him. So, so he puts together a set of vitamins for me each day in a little pill box, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and he gives that to me. You know, it, it makes me feel, I don't know if I need those vitamins, but it so <laughs> makes me feel loved and cherished and safe. It's like he's thinking of the well-being of his family and he's preempting things that could go wrong that really mean a lot to me. You know, when, he, uh, when our children were teenagers, when he would ask questions of them, like if they said they wanted to go out, and he would say, well, who are you going out with? What time are you going to be home? Those kind of things. It made me feel safe because it made me feel like he's, he's looking out for the well-being of the children and I can relax. Everything's going to be okay. Wow. Wonderful.
I'm going to move to love languages, which um, is important. How important is it for a spouse, and Didi, for you as well, for the potential spouse to speak your language? Now, the reason why I'm asking that question is because oftentimes you'd hear guys say, both ladies and guys would say, well, I don't want to tell my husband or my boyfriend, you know, rather my husband what to do because if he does it, then I would feel as though it's not genuine because I asked him to do it. And so you somehow want him to know how to do it without asking him to know it. How important is it for you guys, for the guy to have that and also to be able to speak your love language? Didi, go I first. Think, yeah. I think it is important. Uh, for singles, I know I've read that uh, the book, The Five Languages of Love by Dr. Chapman, for me, I think that kind of, it's actually very great for a single person to know who you are. Um, I would never want to be in a situation where there's a guy next to me and I'm just giving him whatever. Like, I just want to be able to present myself knowing who I am uh, in any relationship so that this is me, this is what I love, this is what I don't like, um, and, and be able to communicate that. So I think it's very great for, for young people to, even young singles, to know their love languages. So you're not in a relationship where it's only clueless. So yeah, it's quite important. And I think, um, I know my husband does, he likes peace in the house. He doesn't want to come home and I'm all aggro or, you know, he asks me a question and I'm very quick with him. And the secret to peace in your home, men, is the love language. I think once you learn what your wife's love language is and you do it, then certain things don't matter anymore. You know, it's okay if you forgot to do something. But if her love tank is empty, then what you didn't do today and yesterday and for the past month are quite at the front of her memory. <laughs> and she is very aware of, you know, you ask her a question and she's very upset and you ask what's wrong and then you have basically a line of things that you've done over the past month. And for women, when your love tank is full, you don't think it's okay. He, he forgot. Ugh, you know, we all forget. It's okay, lovey. But if, if it's not there, it's a problem. And, I, the, and the example I use is when you wear sunglasses, the whole world looks a bit better. It's a bit more colorful and nicer. And that's what the love language does for women. It makes the world look a lot nicer, and she's a lot nicer to you as well. <laughs> so I, um, I feel like... Each of us as an individual has a responsibility to the people around them to kind of teach them who we are, to teach them how to relate to us. So I feel like it's important, as Didi says, for us to know our own love languages because I, I think many of us don't even know that. And so we're just irritated with our husbands because we're not feeling satisfied in the relationship and we don't really know why. And so I think it's important to make sure in your pre-marriage time that, you, that you've discussed this with one another. You've maybe read the book gone through the test so that you know these things. Um, I have a little bit of a different story about not telling or telling the other one. So Andrew and I got married without understanding this concept and having very different love languages. So his love language, language is touch, which is my absolute lowest. And my love language is words of affirmation, which is his absolute lowest. So we got to a certain stage in our marriage and we really thought that the other one didn't love them, love us. Absolutely. And only when we discovered the book did we realize, ah, oh, that's what's going on. So I, 
I went to him and I said, I actually gave him a list (laughs) of all the things he could say to me that would make me feel loved. (laughs) And when I gave it to him, he said, he said this, he said, I, but if I say them, I'll feel like such a fake because I'll just be saying them because you told me, I said, don't worry, (laughs) just do it. (laughs) And you know, when he first started doing it, he was a little awkward and it didn't come across like really fantastic, but the more he did it, the more it became a part of him. And you know, when you're a words of affirmation person, you don't even care why the person is saying it. You don't even care whether they mean it or not. You just want to hear it. So, so it, it really, really worked for me, and I, d- I didn't mind that. And I think as ladies, we have to, you know, sometimes you have this idealistic view of marriage, and I feel like sometimes you're going to have to tear up that view or tear up the other person. That's your choice. And I, I feel like sometimes we have to just let that idealism drop a little bit and say, this is a real person in front of me. How could they possibly know what I want unless I tell them? And so there has to be some level of responsibility on us to to be upfront about what we need in our marriage and vice versa from our husbands so that we can have a happy marriage. Um, And also learning, as far as love languages goes, to read love in a different way. So I had to also learn that when Andrew put his hand on my knee, that that was him saying, oh, you're so beautiful, I think you're marvelous. And I could translate it into words of affirmation. And in my heart, I could start to learn to receive it as love also. And what it is, because that affirms him, that lets him know that it's also, it's important to me that you speak my love language, but it's also important, to, important that you are known in the relationship. So your love language must also become an important part of my expression. The one issue that I think uh, we as men uh, struggle a lot with is the, the, the issue of submission and the man being the head of the wife. Uh, what, what does that scripture, Ephesians 5, verse 23 and 25, or 23 and 24 say? What does that mean to you guys, as ladies, as the man being the head of the wife, and that the wife should submit to the husband? All the problems are his. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's not true. Um, uh, for me, the man being the head of the home means that he's the leader, he's the visionary. And that in our partnership, not a dictatorship, he then leads the home. And it's the important thing for me is that we go along together. Even if they're two people, somebody has to be the leader. And for me, that is the husband, but it's also in partnership with me. Um, with when it came to submission, for a long time when I, you know, was going through the questions, I left it blank because I didn't really quite know what submission was. And then I discovered submission is trusting him to lead. It's supporting him to lead. It's respecting the decisions that he makes and standing by him when they go right and when they don't go so well. And it's, um, with my personality, it's a it's, it's a challenge at times because I always think I'm right. <laughs> but it, it's trusting him and giving him that support and, and affirmation and honoring him as my husband to lead the home, not just with our lives and our finances, but also spiritually. I do have something to say about everything, so you yes, must stop me if I... <laughs> but, um, you know, I think... Submission is a, is a difficult thing if you are outside of Christ. 
But the glorious thing is that although the husband is the head of the home, God is the head of the husband. And God loves me more than my husband does. So because he's in charge of my husband, he's, go- he's going to work situations to bring my husband in line. I'm sorry, that sounds quite blunt, but I remember some, time, some years ago, I, Andrew made a decision that I didn't agree with. And it was one of those rare occasions where I um, let the Holy Spirit work in my heart and I didn't tell him how much I disagreed with his decision. And I went away and prayed and I was like, Lord, um, if, if I'm to really trust, well, God said this to me, he said, you trust me, but will you trust me through your husband? And I was like, oh, that's really hard. And I, I went away and I, I, in my prayer times, was praying and asking God to make this right and da da and, uh, a day later, Andrew came to me and he said, you know what, I'm thinking about that decision I made and I'm thinking it was the wrong decision. I think we should go this way instead. And I was like, yes. I did. And I just smiled at him sweetly and said, yes, dear, you're so wise. <laughs> but um, I, think, I think for men, as much as women want to know that they, everything's going to be okay, that they've got what it takes to succeed, I think men also want to know that. And very much when a wife chooses to follow a husband it speaks something so dramatic to his heart. It speaks to him that he's capable, that he's able, that he can do it. And even if he makes the wrong decision, it puts a sort of confidence in his heart that tends to make him want to succeed more and try harder and be better at things. So I feel like it's a very, it's an amazing way that we can, we can undergird and support and minister to the hearts of our husbands. Wonderful. Family, I've got two more questions left. I just want to give a disclaimer. Uh, if you've got kids here that are underage, I'm going to ask two intimate questions, okay? Sexual intimacy uh, questions. So if you've got kids that you wouldn't want to be here, you can take them out now. Uh, I'm going to ha- go ahead and ask the questions. Awesome. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Didi, you are free to answer or not, Okay. <laughs> Up to you, up to you. <laughs> this is to the panel. Um, you often hear of, you know, from, from guys mainly that, um, you know, they, they're the ones that have to always initiate, you know, come after the lady in the marriage to initiate for sexual intimacy. You know, it, it seems as though ladies lose interest uh, in sexual intimacy in marriage. How important is sexual intimacy? Uh, to you guys, if you were to speak to the guys, how important it is to you. Gina, you want to start? <laughs> okay, so, well, firstly, sexual intimacy is such an amazing gift from God. Um, he has given it to us for married couples to actually share together. It is incredible. Men, us women, have got many sides to us. When we want to have kids, boy, we are gung-ho happy to have. <laughs> Unfortunately, when children come, we get so tired and our bodies get tired. And at the end of the day, we are just screaming kids, making dinner, working, bringing an income in, schoolwork, all the rest of it. That's the last thing on our minds. Um, So it is an adjustment for us. And we have to 
to kind of like process this whole sexual intimacy um, with our husbands. And you have to be patient with us. It's not that it's you. It's not that it's, you know, we also have things in our minds that, oh, I'm not sexy enough anymore. I'm not, I don't look great anymore after having childbirth and so on. So there's a lot of aspects to it that go through us as women. It's not just the mere fact of let's have sex. It's, it's, there's a lot to it. It's emotional connection. But for us as ladies, um, we really got to get to that space where we want to actually again. It's not, it's not just up to the men to keep on asking for it and all the rest of it. We've got to get to that position again where we, we want to be satisfied too. It's like, and it's, we can't just leave that up to the men to, to satisfy us all the time. We've got to learn what satisfies us. Um, we've got to communicate to our, our men to say, okay, no, well, let's not drive that way. Let's not do that and all the rest of it. I don't feel comfortable like that. It's, it's a very real topic and it's, it's, it's hard to go through. But once you get to that position where you feel satisfied again, it's, it's so awesome and it's all, it automatically just brings such a, such a joy in the family unit and such a joy between us, you as couples. Dr. Tibbs, you look like you have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think sexual intimacy is very, very, very important. And I do agree that... Um, there are times in life when a woman doesn't necessarily, is not as enthusiastic for, for it as the man. But there are times when it's equally, you know, the woman initiates and the man initiates. But something is, I think, if, if you liken sexual intimacy to a 100-meter race, I think men start at the starting line and women are about 20 meters behind. So if, you know my husband says to me, do you want to play? The answer almost invariably is no. <laughs> and if I ask him, do you want to play, before I've even finished, it's yes. <laughs> and um, what I do find is when you start, then you get into it and you think, why don't we do this all the time? And so something that I'll share with you is that I've challenged my husband. I said, you know, if you ask me, I'm not interested, so get me interested. And that is something that he takes on with much enthusiasm <laughs> because then we, he gets me to the starting point and then we run the 100 meters. And I think it's, you know, men shouldn't give up when the answer is no because 90% of the time if you just ask it and you haven't done the foreplay to the question, the answer is going to be no. But help your wife. Be creative. If I'm reading then the book gets thrown, or if I'm working on the computer, the computer gets shut, and we continue because he's taken on the challenge to get me interested. And I think it is such an important part of the relationship. I know that when my husband and I are not on the same page, it's because that area of our life hasn't really been working well. And when we are working well, then he is more amenable to so many other things and so many other suggestions and things get done around the house that haven't been done around the house. So I really think it's, you know, women benefit from it in so many ways and men benefit from it in so many ways. So great. I, I once saw a book, I never read the book, but the title was so intriguing that it stayed with me and it's, it goes like the sex begins in the kitchen. And... <laughs> Basically, what it's talking about, men, is that just that very thing that Tabojo is talking about, is that um, women need time to, to get their minds off the daily, everyday things that are going on and onto the prospect of some fun with their husband. So when, 
So if a husband just, you know, comes, I don't know, to whatever time of the day and he just jumps right in there, um, the woman is left behind. But if from the beginning of the day or in the kitchen during supper, he's um, cleaning up the dishes and he's, he's telling his wife how beautiful she is and he's stroking her hair and he's whispering things in her ear and he's just creating an environment where she's starting, it's starting to turn her attention away from the daily grind of everything that has to be done. You know, just simple things like arranging a babysitter for a night. You know, what that's going to do for a wife's heart. It's like, wow. And then, then just taking time to talk with her first. And maybe, maybe you can even cook the dinner and put a few candles on the table. You know, these, these kind of things will all just start drawing a woman into that very quickly. Um, something else is that a more, the more the woman, a woman engages in sexual relationships, the more she wants it. So... For men, the less they have sex, the more they want sex. For women, the more they have sex, the more they want sex. So we kind of learn to like it. So I just say to my lady friends, just go out and practice. (laughs) When they're married, my married, my married lady friends, is that, and and as you as you go, you will you will learn how to how to please one another more. And the more a woman learns even to know her own body through her relationship with her husband, the more it will be enjoyable for her and the more she will want it. Wow. Just one more question before we, we close. Um, for some single guys here, I can see some of them, <laughs> who, who have the insecurity uh, that they might not be able to satisfy their potential spouses when they get married uh, because you know, they believe that uh, you know, practice makes perfect. But if they're not practicing because they're Christians... How can you as ladies give them security that they'll still be able to satisfy their future wives? Sure. Okay. For me, for a single, that guy will just, I'd be scared. I'll be nervous. <laughs> that I think if I was a single and I would know that someone is practicing way a lot before I met him, I think for me, I'd be very, very scared. I'd be very, very nervous. I think I'll be entering in a situation where there will be some insecurity. Yeah, you've been practicing, but not with me. So now those kind of, so for me, I'll just say they must just walk purely with God. There's no need to be practicing with anybody else who's not your wife. And clearly I would want my husband to be practicing only with me. And not with, because I'm different. So all those women you've been practicing with, I'm different. (laughs) You should be more nervous about, okay, how, okay, let's discuss it with Didi when we're married. But then for you to say you're practicing outside marriage with these different women, but then you're going to marry a Didi who's also different I don't know how is that even boosting his esteem. Yeah. Pastor you want to say something in closing? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, I, I, first of all, I would, I would love to, I know none of you men here have ever said that, but I'd like to challenge any man who said that. I, th- I think that might be a justification of what you want to do as opposed to what's real. Um, I think... Statistics have proven this, that uh, the more sex you engage in before you get married, the worse your sexual relationship will be after marriage. Because there's something about the security of knowing um, that this is the only one. You know, when when I know that I'm secure in that relationship, the, the more secure a woman feels, the more she's willing to open up, the more relaxed she will be, the more adventurous she will be in the relationship. The more partners her husband has had before they get married, the more insecure she will feel. And 
the more difficult the sexual relationship will be in marriage. I also feel like a woman is looking for a man who has the kind of self-control to say no. Because, you know, in marriage, there's going to be times when you're separated. Um, you've just had children. There's, you know, someone's traveling. Someone's not well. And the security in my heart of knowing that my husband was able to control himself before marriage, therefore he'll be able to control himself now, is huge for a woman. For me, I just want us to pray. And like I said in the beginning, this, this is not just for us to have fun around church, but this is for us to have healthy relationships amongst ourselves. This is for us to model relationships to the world. But I know that there might be people in this house where you feel like you have not been able to uphold this standard of maybe staying pure before marriage. Or maybe while married, you have broken that covenant of marriage in your own marriage. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble and He resists the proud. And I want us to take a moment to humble ourselves before God this afternoon. Because He would give us enough grace to be able to, to live a life of purity, whether we're single or we're married. But you have to go before Him in humility and say, Lord, I need your grace in this area of my life. Lord, I need you to restore my marriage because I've broken that bond of trust that existed. And now we still want restoration of marriage. Lord, give us grace to restore this marriage. Father, we stand here before you, Lord. We're asking for your grace today. Give us grace to do relationships well. Give us grace to live a life of purity as single men and single women. Lord, give us grace to love our wives, to relate to women in the way that speaks love to them. Lord, help us as men, especially when we don't understand but yet to just be there for them. To hear as they've described and to be able to speak love in the way that they understand. Lord, we're asking for your grace today in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, if people are to talk about relationships and marriages, they'll look at this church, they'll look at couples in this house and say, man, I want to have a marriage like that. I want to be able to speak to the sisters like that. I want to be able to relate to men like that. And Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Come on, Father, let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus.